I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! Jeez! He's round the goalkeeper! He's done it! Absolutely incredible! He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter who was without a shadow of a doubt giving him lip. Does it tame and tame and tame again? Break up the music! Charge a glass! This nation is going to dance all night! Walking the disciplinary tightrope with Professor Jonathan Van Tam, the weirdest use of For My Sins yet. Will English football ever embrace the word zero? Shuffling the commentary pack with Amazon Prime Video. When is it too early to take one for the team with a red card? When Ali McCoy sees a high-caliber former player in the stands, Claudio Taffarel arriving 25 years too late, and a potential terrestrial TV football record. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 117 of the Football Clichés podcast. I'm Adam Hurry. With me first of all, he's the cock of the walk, it's David Walker. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, very good. Very good. Just about recovered from our evening at the Football Supporters Association Awards. Fruitless, fruitless yeah. evening, but that's fine. Good to be there. And, and congratulations it remains... to uh, to Max Rushton and Barry Glenn Denning and the rest of the Guardian team. I thought they I thought they'd done enough <laughs> congratulating on their own. I didn't think they need any more. So, uh, but yes, yes, well done indeed. Uh, alongside us is Charlie Eccleshare. He's back from the frozen tundra of Turf Moor. Just wanted to say tundra. Uh, good fun. Tundra is a great word. O- only David Attenborough, I think, is really allowed to say it. Mm. But um, it is a great word. It was great fun. And it, and I did, um, as I tweeted the snow beating down, <laughs> I did think, I, I was like, it's not right, is it? But it's so cold. My hands feel like they're about to fall off. And I've started this tweet. I'm just going to finish it. <laughs> I did think, that's not really the most juiced. And had I had a bit more time and it been a bit less cold, I would have uh, probably pulled over it more like I do most of my tweets. And, and I, I've learned a lesson. Yeah, if only there was a precipitation cliches podcast. Um, I know. But, so you're safe. The fact that you didn't reply to my tweet, I thought I've really pissed him off this time. Yeah, I've done well, it. <laughs> <laughs> I was more patience for this. No, it was more like, yeah, well, at that time I was like shivering and yeah. uh, I probably couldn't really have replied even if I wanted to. Fair enough. Um, Fair but enough. no, it's more, more prompted some soul searching. Okay, well, you're in safe, warm hands now because um, I've got some content to really uh, fill your heart with glee. Let's start with very familiar territory. Charlie, he's done it again. He's done it again. Jonathan Van Tam, he's done it again. (laughs) So to me, and as you know, I love football. um, We started with 11 players in the team with the Wuhan vaccine. And you could say that we've kind of picked up a couple of injuries when Alpha came along and then Delta 
came along, uh, those variants that are slightly different from the Wuhan uh, original strain. And um, we've had to use our subs off the bench to keep us in the game, but we're well in the game. And you can see that with the current epidemiology in relation to Delta, that the vaccines are holding up very well and largely keeping us out of trouble. Now, Omicron is like now picking up a couple of yellow cards to key players on top. We may be okay, but we're kind of starting to feel at risk that we might go down to 10, 10 players. And if that happens, or if that's a risk that it's going to happen, then we need everyone on the pitch to up their game in the meantime. And that's really upping your game in terms of boosters and in terms of antibody responses. We're not going to wait for the red card to happen. We're going to act decisively now. And we're asking everyone to up their game. Charlie, we know the drill by now. Um, as a footballing analogy, how happy are you with this? I think it actually started quite well. And it is a reasonably helpful way to look at it with, you know, we've had a couple of injuries, is like a setback and we, we need people to step in. The problem for me is he then, he kind of mixes the analogies. If He then talks about getting yellow cards. If he'd said, and now we've got a couple of suspensions. If the consistent message had been essentially, it's a squad game. And do you remember, you know, the sort of turn of the millennium when that became very in vogue that previously it had been about, but now it's about you've got to have a squad, you know, the Mourinho two players in every position. I think if that had been a bit more consistent, it actually would have worked reasonably well and been quite helpful. But he sort of mangled it, I felt, with, with that yellow card thing. Well, I read it. I, I actually, I read it as more of a mid-game situation, Dave. We've, we've had to use a couple of our substitutes straight away. That was, the, that was the previous situation. But now we've got a couple of yellow cards to key players. Now... On one hand, I thought, is this in danger of becoming a little bit too convoluted as a footballing scenario? And secondly, am I supposed to be worried here? Because I feel like in, if that happened in a game, I'd be all right. I'd be annoyed that my team have had to use two early subs. But that's already happened. The two yellow cards, I feel like wouldn't fuss me too much. But I, there would be howls of derision from the stands. Yeah, I, yeah you, you, there'd be a slight concern in the back of your mind. But you'd hopefully trust those two players on bookings to walk the tightrope successfully for the rest of the game uh, I'd be more concerned if it was too if we were down to yeah if there were two red cards or if we were, if there was an injury and we were down to 10 men because we'd already used all of our substitutions or red card like would have been scaremongering though I feel like that's too extreme so yeah it, I mean he was, he's basically urging us all to show caution yeah. but the only thing that yeah. does concern me Charlie is that in this very scenario, we're heading towards outfield player having to go in goal, which <laughs> would really and we, worry and we, all, we all know which member of the government that would be, don't we? <laughs> yeah, or sort of just losing so many players we lose to COVID 3-0 because it has to be forfeited. Yeah, that, that and, is the other and, thing, isn't and, it? Well, with all these analogies, what if we lose? Yeah, um, I am detecting a kind of non-linear timeline <laughs> to uh, Jonathan Van Tam's virtual football game. Uh, I think we've established now that there is no there is no clock on this. Right, um, it's, yeah, it's, 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 a cup, it's a cup competition, isn't it? Which is yeah. we're getting through round by round, but it's you know mm. a real roller coaster. Yeah, look forward to the next one. But that was that was probably the longest and most epic of all. <laughs> yeah, Van Tam's going to do Van Tam's going to do an open top bus parade when it's finally <laughs> over. Don't don't <laughs> trivialise him. But also, who gets to decide? I mean, did did Black Death win? Did we win? The, I mean, you'd probably say Black Death won that particular bout. I don't like. What are the terms under which? I think we've knocked that off its perch now. Probably, but I don't know if Will Van. At what point can Van Tam sort of claim 
claim a victory or is it sure. just ongoing one for the world health organization i think yeah the, the adjudication panel at the yeah. who yeah <laughs> yeah we'll get back to it right next up this is via adam simpson um absolutely textbook for my sinsing on uh, bbc radio 2's Popmaster. Uh, yeah. and your spare time what'd you like to do uh, well, I'm an avid supporter of uh, Southampton Football Club for my sins. Um, <laughs> that ooh is, is amazing as well. Dave, I mean, I was almost tempted to uh, decry the addition of Football Club, but if, if you're indeed your, your Football Club only has one word, then, then that's kind of all right? Yeah. Did he? That? I, I'm, I've already forgotten it, I mean, uh, having only heard the clip five seconds ago. Did, did Ken Bruce lead into him with football? No, no. Just or did he just like volunteer? It? Right. Okay. I mean, I think, yeah, that's acceptable then, because I'm mean, going to have a Southampton supporter. I don't have any other teams, do they? But yeah, the radio to about... audience. You've got, to, you've got to play to your audience. How do you feel about Avid, Charlie? Well, I think if you're being generous, you're saying he's being generous to the audience and giving them a bit of explanation. The other way of looking at it is that it's very much how a For My Sinza would, who, who's maybe <laughs> not the biggest fan, you know, the kind of guy who caught the game on the radio. Southampton, I mean, I, I don't imagine many... Southampton fans talk about supporting Southampton Football Club. Um, but I, lo- I mean, this is an amazing For My Sins because we actually got sent another For My Sins, which I enjoyed, which was Peter Jones on Dragon's Den, which I enjoyed because I always enjoy hearing people say For My Sins. But I think he actually, he talked about how I have made a few bad investments for my sins, yeah. which felt actually like probably how that expression is meant to be used rather than the football self-effacing For My Sins way that mm. we know and love. Entirely. In the aftermath of this, Someone sent me perhaps my favourite for my sins of all time. Al Gunn. Heard a bloke on the train the other day say, this is where I get off for my sins. <laughs> Surely not an acceptable use of the phrase. <laughs> Dave, that's superb. Why would anyone say that? Uh, oh, I don't know. Like, really like un- Zone un- five? Yeah, undesirable place. To- yeah. Or is it like maybe a really nice place? Is he, a- is he embarrassed about living in zone one? <laughs> Could be either. Could be either. <laughs> Um, or, or it maybe, could be his work. I imagine it's his workplace that's, you know, in a bit of a shithole. Yeah. Or maybe he was on the other side of the carriage and had to sort of muscle his way through. And it was kind of a semi-apology <laughs> for my sins. It's like, really there's, sorry. That's, yeah. not, that's not how it works either, is it? There's no justification for it, is there? <laughs> no if matter so, how hard we try. <laughs> if I heard that live on a train, I would die. I would double over and die. Um, so really hope that happens soon. Sorry to keep going over... <laughs> well-trodden ground, but I really have to do this. This is Sean Dyche versus Gary Cotterill, two stars of the Football Clichés podcast, trying to work out who wins this self-awareness classico. You look a bit overdressed there, Sean. Overdressed? Yeah. Are we really going to make a story out of the fact that I had a shirt on? Are we really? Is that the best we can do today? Is that the best? That we got a shirt on, I had a shirt on. Sorry, you know, do people ever think that I was out there for about 14 and a half seconds? It's a strange world we live in. Long sleeve shirt, though. Yeah, I'm disappointed in myself. I'll wear short sleeve next time. A scarf on today. I can see Chris got a jaunty little red uh, woolly hat. So this is the best we can do then. So we are going to go yeah. down that road. Okay. So, right, that's brilliant. Are allowed to wear snoods or, 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 or gloves today? Can I have a rule about? Come on. Let's, let's have something real. Come on. What about training inside? Uh, <laughs> what about it? What would you like to know about it? It's like pitch dying time, which you hardly ever use. Okay, yep. 
which I'm told you hardly ever use. This is the information that I have. You know, I gather all the great information, Sean. It sounds like it. We, we have underfloor, uh, undersoil heating, both at turf, by the way, against what seemed to be another misconstrued moment in time, uh, both at turf moor and at the training ground here. So therefore, it's minimal need to use the indoor area. But if and when we decide to, then we do, because um, you may be aware, but it's not the same as grass. Wolves. Love the wolves at the end. Everybody <laughs> 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 rounds it off. Off day, but um, if Sean Dyche is losing patience with the Premier League news cycle, then we are all in trouble, aren't we? Absolutely baffling exchange there. You said sort of who wins this, and I, I can't really decide. There's a part of me that's sort of in Gary Cottrell's corner because at least he's sort of I I sort of begrudgingly admire his persistence. He refused to to play the game, Sean. Come on, just laugh it off. Just give me one. Just give me a little throwaway line, and we'll move on. I'll then I'll move on to Wolves. But it had. Then we. But then also he probably went on a bit too long. Uh, you, you've got to read the room, and when you see Dyche isn't playing ball, just 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 move on. But Dyche as well, just unnecessarily annoying. <laughs> no one comes out of that well, do they? <laughs> but Dyche does have some. I mean, wasn't it last season where he stopped the presser so he he was like, "Why do we have some fun and we can talk about lookalikes?" Yeah. He, he, so I mean, Got I think he. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he has. Um, he has revealed that he does find it all uh, quite tedious and likes to be the kind of aren't we above this? I mean, obviously, obviously Gary Cottrell as well was fresh from his uh, party popper at the yeah. Arsenal. Mm. press conference so i don't know if dice had seen that and maybe went in with a bit of uh animosity or preconceptions but mm. what a week what a week for gary cottrell yeah very yeah. much so yeah I, i'm just i'm just if we had to put kind of like a full-time score on this on this exchange charlie was a 2-2 i don't know or just yeah no one comes out with any massive credit i don't think no i think i mean obviously biased coming at it from gary cottrell's perspective i guess yeah, score draw. Maybe Cottrell wins on points even. Have you ever had any banter with a manager in a press conference, Charlie? I've had one where I got caught out on Zoom because it was one of those where you all just put your hands up straight away. And I mean, Is that how it your... works on Zoom? Everyone sits there with their hand up. Is it like a virtual hand, though? The it? virtual hand function. <laughs> and obviously, if you're in the room, you can you know wait until a couple of people have done it. My question was very much a third or fourth question. But if you don't do it straight away, you can get cut out. So I did it. And then I was the first question. Oh. And it, and it just wasn't a first question question. And it was basically, Spurs had just won. I asked Mourinho about a player who he hadn't been playing. It was Bergvine. And he was just like, why are you asking me about that? We've just won this game. <laughs> oh, God. And I was kind of like, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't really doing oh, no. the first. <laughs> Another time as well, I have left my hand up um, as the second managers come in and the press officers come to me for an opposition manager. And I've had absolutely nothing to ask <laughs> right we're going next to Charlie and so um, thoughts on today's get <laughs> so vague in general we should come up with a little list of um, you know prepared templates just you know for these eventualities yeah. does it, that point feel like two dropped or, or one gained uh, Eddie yeah, just stuff like that I help you no problem does it feel uh, like something's building here <laughs> yeah really good This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Right, let's 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 do what we really are duty bound to do here. Um, we've done enough laughing at clips of people talking. Let's talk about the language of football if we can briefly. Dave, Jared Paulson has written in something of the elephant in the football language room, as far as I'm concerned. He says, "Why is it such a linguistic pariah to say the word zero in reference to scorelines in football? And why does nil have such a stranglehold over describing a team scoring a blank, so to speak?" For some reason, X team beat Y team 2-0 really rankles when you hear it. You'd sooner hear X team won 2 to nothing, which is way more mealy to say. You even hear the dreaded noughts more often. How come? I have one theory on this, that zero is an American thing. Yeah. And because in, I think there's a bit in Ted Lasso where he says something like, it was 0-0, zero, zero, and it's like, nil-nil. So I think there's that's partly that, that it's a kind of British proud don't bring your Americanisms to our sport mm. kind of thing. That is, do you think this is the driving force, Dave, is just anti-US sentiment? I mean, it's I a very so. powerful sentiment in football, clearly. That was that was my first thought as well. It's something that I, I can I can pretty pretty certain that like an NFL commentator would say the Patriots are up 20 to zero or something. And it, it just doesn't sit well. How do you feel about and, zip? No. Is that worse than no. zero? Zip. sub-zero? Zip. Zip. <laughs> can't have Zip. zip. Two zip would be good. I wonder if anyone's ever has love ever been introduced. <laughs> Charlie would do it. Yeah, that's no, no, normally my domain. <laughs> Two love might try it. I mean, I feel like nothing really shouldn't be that high up in the in the hierarchy, even allowing for its tradition. I mean, it was definitely like a Hugh Johns slash David Coleman things like one nothing back in the day. But I feel like I haven't heard nothing, Charlie, for a while. Yeah, nothing has a bit more grandiosity, I think. It, it gives it, I don't know, it's like an exclamation point. It's a, it gives it a bit of occasion somehow. They've scored yeah, nothing. nothing. Yeah, nothing. Mm. Um, yeah, so it does feel like a bit of a throwback. Mm. Well, um, yeah, sorry to Jared Paulson. Not a huge amount of clarity over this, other than simply to say that zero is just not, it's not happening, is it? It's just it's not happening. Too American, I think. Yeah, maybe. Yeh it doesn't. It certainly doesn't roll off the footballing tongue in this country, so I can't see that situation changing very soon. Um, Charlie, you'll enjoy this one. You are, of course, a student of Andy Gray's imaginary conversations in front of goal. Always enjoyed those, but an art form that seems to have faded a little since he stepped away from the gantry. But Alex Kebble has pointed me towards um, Alan Shearer's stint on Amazon Prime at St. James's Park for Newcastle versus Norwich. And uh, he he looked like he was trying to revive it. Let's have a little listen. McLean... Solis and Sargent couldn't get a stun on it and Jamal Lewis shepherded away that was much better from Norwich wasn't it the ball down to Solis down the left hand side he gets to the uh, to the touchline he whips a fantastic ball into the far post there and you're just expecting Sargent to say go on then go ahead and tap it in I think it was Lewis wasn't it at that far post that just stopped him a bold effort Charlie but I feel undermined by the fact that he implies that Sargent is talking to himself 
You can't have an imaginary conversation with yourself, can you? No, I don't think that works as well. Uh, I'm trying to think if Gray ever did that, like he says to himself. But no, it's, it's not. It's not as powerful as those. Uh, yeah, between either teammates, you know, he says to his teammate, "Do this," or he's the keeper saying to him. Thinking as well with these commentary, these sort of commentary pairings. I mean, Drury. It reminds me of like on old wrestling games where you could just pair whoever you wanted with whoever. It's like it, that. That's such a kind of. It feels like a real left field partnership. Amazon are doing I'm, this a lot. Like, yeah, I'm all here for it. Yeah, Dave, we had Tiltley and Shearer, I think, last season during their, their kind of burst of, of December mm. games, which which really did feel like a an artificial pairing. Obviously, it worked well. They're both very good. Yeah, tone, I think. But I think it's one of the best things about their coverage is the fact that yeah, mm. they you, you do see these unusual partnerships, as you say, and. And just also, as I said to you last night while watching the game, great to have Peter Drury on a proper mm. UK yeah. t- televised match. We don't obviously on BT Sport. He does BT Sport, Champions League and stuff, but Premier League we never really having, get him. I keep do having we? to fly out the country to hear his live commentary. It's very <laughs> yeah. annoying. Yeah, <laughs> just to get my Drury fixed. But actually, this is interesting though, Dave, because there are lots of kind of consistent commentary pairings, and they travel around. You know, logistically, it makes sense that they travel around and do games as they like. I don't know. Beglin and uh, Beglin and Drury together quite a lot for their games, but do commentary pairings really need to gel? Like, is it like it's not really like a central defensive partnership, is it? I think there is a bit of that, uh, but uh, also I think it's very easy to just slip into whichever partnership. You know, an experienced commentator will 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 be fine with whoever they're put with. But they're definitely, I mean, John Champion and Ali McCoyce were on the Leeds Crystal Palace game last night, and. They've clearly got a you know a well-established rapport. That's true. Yeah, that's true. But that, and that's how it works on major tournaments, isn't it? That they get given, they have a pairing, and they travel around together for that reason. Obviously, that's where McCoist and uh, Champion, the 2018 World Cup, first emerged, and that was one of the, the subplots of the tournament. But um, Shearer's gig on Tuesday night at St James's was a tricky one, Charlie. Of course, because you know, as a Newcastle club legend, and uh, given the sensitivity that some fans have towards you know perceived mm. bias. He did a very good job, and Newcastle is not necessarily a team to get carried away with. So I don't, th- I don't think it was a particularly difficult thing for him to not get too either way. But I really enjoyed. Um, he got a lot of praise for his commentary. Um, someone on Twitter praised him for his unbiased commentary, and that person's bio read "NUFC Crazy Geordie." <laughs> <laughs> so he'd know of anyone. I met the 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 layers of bias. I can't work out, but yeah. But, but that that, I, that doesn't surprise me in a way. Sheer is so earnest and professional. I really would. I would imagine he would say to him like to himself almost like you all of that has to go out the window just in case there was any danger of of Shearer focusing too much on Newcastle. Dave Timu Puki plucked out of the bag such a shearery type of finish yeah in terms of technique mm. that, that there was never going to be any danger of uh, of shearer not being able to get involved it was such yeah. a shearery goal to call it was it was shearer was purring uh, on the on the upon seeing the replay of that and i, th- I saw that um uh, darren huckabee uh, tweeted shearer uh, a half time saying, "I think you've been, a, I think you've been a bit harsh on Norwich, Norwich's uh, defensive performance there, Alan." And I think Alan quote tweeted him and well, had a bit of banter back with him, or whatever. But I don't know. A subtle is that a subtle uh, sort of hello from Darren Huckabee to the powers that be? I did play for both teams actually. Yeah, and I, I could, I could probably be a bit more neutral. But I don't think Shearer was un, was um, was particularly biased. I thought he did a good job, but. But what I will say is that watching the game, you're just you're just aware. Even if he is straight down the line, you're just aware that he's Alan Shearer. There's a, there's a, there is a perception there. There is a slightly weird feeling that you just you're you expect you kind of. If I was a Norwich fan, I think that would just get my back up 
regardless of what he was saying, I'd just be annoyed that he was there without having, I don't know, Baron Huckabee or Grant Holt either side of him or something. Well, I mean, in, this, in, this, in these times of, of, of bias sensitivity, Charlie, you know, if we had to pick the most equally Norwichian Newcastle player to, uh, to have commentated on mm. this game, I mean, what's, what's your instinct? Well, I mean, <laughs> trying to Fox. think of Fox is Rule a good Fox. one, yeah. Because actually, because Huckabee, I think people forget was at Newcastle because he was there pretty early in his career, so mm. before he emerged at Coventry and, and did Norwich. Craig Bellamy play for Norwich. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good shout. Steve Bruce. Steve uh, Bruce would have been well, yeah. Did, did, well, he managed, did, did, yeah. yeah. Um, Mister Manchester United could have had Sebastian Bassong. That would have oh, been an yeah. adventurous choice. Yeah. Your commentators at St. James's Park, Peter Jury and Sebastian Bassong. <laughs> Sebastian Bassong was out of the bag. He was, play, he was playing non-league uh, football last season. He'd be a great person to have on. Could have had Paul Dalgleish. I'm just plucking these off my head. Yeah. I'm not just looking at a list of, course, of players yeah. who played. Des Hamilton, of course. Uh, yeah, Darren Huckabee. Tim Krull. Yeah. Oh, Otherwise he wasn't playing the in the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pops up Mike to the studio. Up. Pops up to the studio to join us. Where where do we feel, by the way, on the... um, I feel I've seen this so many times. And actually, as much as it should, as much as it is such a dad joke, because it's him, I'm fine with it. But the, when Shearer's not there, Gary Lineker doing something like after Newcastle game, we've had a letter written in by an A. Shearer who had (laughs) this to say on the game, which if that's anyone else, it's so eye-rolly, but somehow... I worried worried that we veered very close to that territory on this podcast before. But um, yeah... Yeah, you know, sort of listener Michael Cox writes in, but that's fine. It's right, fine. Yeah, still technically true. Um, speaking yeah, of Shearer, that's different. Those are actually true, aren't they? I mean, we don't make yeah, up the, that's fine. Oh, maybe we do. Yeah, he does listen and he does enjoy it. Hi, Michael. Speaking of Shearer, I may have underestimated Dave, the uh, fellow award-nominated football podcast Match of the Day top tens. I thought it would have been um, you know, not particularly challenging podcast or anything like that. You know, something that just just thrown together. But no. No, the latest edition was uh, Michael Richards and Alan Shearer picking teams of their best players that they'd ever played with. Again, I have to say, on the face of it, not a massively compelling format. I didn't think I'd be intrigued. But this clip really did lift my soul. This is Michael Richards selecting his uh, central midfield pairing of uh, Yaya Torre and Patrick Vieira. And then Alan Shearer revealing who he had on the other side. All right, my, I might as well put it in My there. midfield might not be able to cope with this. Hang on, let me put it in. Uh, <laughs> Think uh, my form. Yeah, yeah, right? Of course, yeah, that yeah, is yeah. the one, Gary. I thought it might be. So you're, mid, you're two in the middle. I've gone Rob Lee and Tim Sherwood. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible! 20-odd <laughs> uh, caps for England. That's disgraceful, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's so rude. <laughs> Disgraceful. <laughs> I hope he's listening to this. How dare you come with that with I love that last bit, Charlie. Um, the complete lack of diplomacy there. I, I mean, I mean, I, I just think it really does add to a podcast. I'm going to start listening to it now. Yeah, and poor David Batty as well, not getting in. I thought he was going to be a shoo in. Uh, yeah, it, it does really work, actually. There's quite a lot of that. Um, Mike Richards will laugh at Gary Lineker for being sort of ancient and his, you know, all, all the sort of stuff that, again, you'd think, I mean, we, we've been there before, but because it's those... He's the two, perfect foil, isn't he? For the yeah, it, it works really well. Yeah. And Sheeran knew as well. Sheeran knew. Yeah, yeah that's what was good as well. He, as soon as that, there's Vieira and Yaya. 
20 caps isn't that much, <laughs> Alan, really. <laughs> yeah, true. And it was, <laughs> yeah, it was odd. mid to late 90s, yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. And, and Rob Lee it. probably had most of those. How many caps did Tim Sherwood get? I was going to say, is that caps combined? Probably, yeah. Lee, Lee picked up a few, didn't he? In, that, mm. in the sort of friendlies leading up to Euro 96. Yeah. I feel like he was quite heavily involved. Him I and Steve Stone. Didn't listen further on, but I imagine Stuart Ripley is out there on the right-hand side just to really end Michael Richards <laughs> <laughs> completely. Um, elsewhere at St James's Park, Dave, um, a curious act of taking one for the team by Kieran Clark. Before we get into the real science of this... Fair to say that it was too early to be taking one for the team? Much too early. What, what was this? Eight ha- minutes and 51 Eight seconds. minutes. Eight minutes. Way too early. And and there was, which they didn't mention this too much on commentary either, but there was, the fullback was not that far away either mm. from covering round and probably getting a challenge or, or maybe putting Pookie off. And Pookie's not the quickest. No. Uh, it's a baffling piece of decision making. Interesting that you say that. Um, when you, you add in sort of extra layers of intrigue, like, Pookie isn't the quickest. Now, Charlie, do you think do you think as kind of external observers, we're putting a little bit too much faith in a footballer's ability to 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 think about all these factors? Well, he's not looking at Pookie going, well, he got 16 goals last season, so uh... But maybe they are I mean they've got they've I always find it amazing with these footballers because they've got to compute so many things in this like minuscule amount of time. So I do wonder if that if it's that or whether it's your instinct takes over. Um, and you just think, fuck it. But yeah, take take it for the take one for the team. When you're then inflicting what eighty minutes playing with ten men, you kind of wonder how big a favour you're really doing them. I mean, taking one of the team is kind of like you you take a hit for their benefit, but I'm not sure how much they're, they're going to be thanking you for well, that. For once, interesting that you say that. For once, we've got some data to back up. The cliches vibe, you know, I mean, we, we I think we stand up very well on, on our own kind of interpretation of what these phrases mean and where they're appropriate. But we've got some data to back this up from Michael Cayley, who who confirms that it was way too early for Kieran Clark to commit a dog so red card. He says the data says that you should wait until 60 minutes on average to take one for the team. Mm. And he produced this graph which is all based on expected goals, Dave. The effect of a red card diminishes... Uh, the, effect, the, the, mm. the punishing effect of a red card diminishes over the course of a game. So if you got sent mm. off in the 90th minute, then the chances of your team suffering from an XG perspective is almost zero, basically yeah. zero. If you, get, if you get sent off in the first minute, it could be as much as 1.08. Right. So his graph, this little line, goes all the way down and finally intersects with the XG of a one-on-one goal-scoring opportunity, which is 0.47. So where those lines meet is statistically the point at which it's okay to take one for the team. Fantastic work. And what minute is that? Uh, it is It is around the 60% mark of a game. So that's around 55 minutes, but he's basically saying an hour. Yeah. Yeah, so... That's, that's Never it. seen a spreadsheet take one for the team. That's but, uh, incredible. That's, uh, that's good work. Yeah. Um, my favourite piece of uh, football analytics I've ever seen. I'm, I'm prepared to embrace the community now, Charlie. That is very handy. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one in the eye for the sceptics. Yeah, absolutely. But at least we know now when we can use the phrase. After the game, Eddie Howe, at that point, quite understandably, Dave, was furious on the pitch. Like, seething. The, the angriest I've ever seen Eddie Howe. Quite rightly so. Kieran Clark walking past him, all that, all that kind of tableau of, of frustration. 
But after the game, with having Newcastle having salvaged a point, uh, I thought to myself, I wonder if Eddie Howe is going to say that he can't fault the effort of his players. It wasn't the ideal start to the game, that's for sure. I think um, that was a really difficult moment. So early in the match to know that uh, we were reduced to 10 men was, was tough. Uh, but I thought the players responded magnificently. I thought they gave everything. Can't fault any of them um, for the effort and commitment that they've given in the match. Yes. <laughs> now, I can confirm that you did You did text that to us in the WhatsApp group at, as soon as that red card happened. You not, called it. Yeah, and, and I'm not taking a huge amount of glory for this. I mean, it, it's, it's low-hanging fruit. But my point on this, Charlie, is I fear for Newcastle now because... <laughs> As soon as managers start not being able to fault the effort of their players, that to yeah. me is the tiniest, earliest relegation alarm bell. Yeah, that's so true. I, could, I can't fault the effort of my players. Yeah, you do hear that as often as a team has thought maybe they were back in it and had won a few games, but then started losing again and it starts to feel grimly inevitable. You want to save that maybe, for at least April? Maybe because they, they want to send a message to their employers because effort is a reflection on them, isn't it? So it's a way of saying they're trying as hard as they can. They're just not good enough. Give me some better players. Mm. Mm. Um, but yeah, very much a tap in for the uh, for the football language expert there, Dave. Um, elsewhere at St James's Park, there was um, what feels like the inevitable close up of Delia Smith in the stands. <laughs> um, what a player she was. <laughs> well, well, whilst the world was preoccupied by her seemingly falling asleep up in the gods at St James's, during this clip, I just felt myself physically willing one of the commentators to say. I mean, maybe this, this podcast just has taken over me, but um, well, let's hear the clip. Delia Smith. Say it. Who, alongside uh, her husband, of course, Michael Wynne-Jones and Michael Forger. Say it. Celebrated uh, 25 years at the helm of Norwich City. Say it. Last weekend. <laughs> Charlie, Alan Shearer did not say what a cook she was, by the way. <laughs> yeah, a woman who knows a thing or two about her. Uh... <laughs> yeah. McCoy would, would have said it if Ali was on that game. Oh, he, he would have delivered. Wonderful. Yeah. Cooked few of our recipes one or two times. <laughs> <laughs> ne- never for me, Ali. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Need oh, a few yeah. more, few more games together for that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm yeah. trying to think what what would the uh, knows a thing or two knows a thing or two about uh, stirring, hmm. bringing stirring. a team to the boil. Well, yeah. I think, well, things are getting a bit spicy here, and uh, Delia Smith there when there's thing or two about making magic in the kitchen here we go <laughs> <laughs> anyway wolves <laughs> wolves uh um speaking of ali mccoyce though he was otherwise engaged he was at um he was at elland road for leeds versus crystal palace dave and uh well when you show ali mccoyce a great player in the stands then then you just have to let him go you're not the only fine former scottish international oh, in attendance what a player was a player eddie gray what a player <laughs> embodiment of the great days at Leeds United oh, yeah. <laughs> the 60s and 70s and there's history all around us too with the, the names emblazoned across the stands on all four sides of the pitch here one of my favourites here John don't mind telling you <laughs> <laughs> the absolute uh, deluxe like deluxe serving of what a player there Charlie I, do, I love it I don't mind telling you at the end yeah the only thing it was missing was a by the way yes mm. really disappointed Oh, yeah, almost like he knew it was coming. But the delivery of what a player, both times, Dave, really nice. Like what a player, what, what a, a player. player. Oh, but the, I, I, my theory is the longer the what a player, the longer that someone says what a player, 
the less oh. they think that people know what a good player they were. Yeah, yeah. Th- this is a real sweet spot because he's probably because yeah, the best what a player what a player he was are when they think that the people wouldn't know it. So it's a kind of like you know a lot of you won't know this, but he oh. So he's in that sweet because a lot of viewers would have no idea, probably wouldn't have heard of Eddie Gray. I mean, I only really know him from that ill-fated spell when he managed Leeds mm. when they got relegated. Oh, what? Oh. What a player. player! What a player! By the way, Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Speaking of uh, semi-forgotten legends, incredible headline popped up yesterday, right out of the blue for me. I'm, I'm not in the game at all. Claudio Taffarel, Charlie, mm. is joining Liverpool's coaching staff. Um, it's very club call, cool, this. I almost felt like I was being charged 49p a minute just to read those words. Claudio Tafferel joins Liverpool. Yeah, that's amazing. Who do you think he would have played for in the 90s if he'd actually moved? Ooh, that's is it Middlesbrough? Really it is Middlesbrough. I mean, yeah, Middlesbrough. It's probably Middlesbrough, isn't it? Middlesbrough's natural, yeah, it's because of the Brazilian thing. But I'm trying to think if anyone signed any flary keepers. I mean, West Ham signed Bernard Lamar, which at the time felt quite out there. Who was the... Um, Lionel Perez at Sunderland... You know, mm. Perez, yeah. hair in the sh- very short sleeves, the pioneer of the short sleeves. Indeed. Isn't it him who gets chipped by Cantona in that for that famous? Correct. He's then stood that he just stands around. Do you know what this move reminded me of? Actually, a little bit, Charlie. You'll appreciate this. Is is when a famous tennis player gets like an old out of nowhere gets like an old coat. It's all of a sudden, yeah, yeah. Like we're like even Lendl started yeah. coaching Andy Murray or Michael Stick. Mare- Mare- what Mare- are you doing yeah. here? Yeah, yeah. Claudio Tafferel yeah. is a very Tennessee name, actually. Claudio yeah, yeah. yeah. Good, good on clay, Claudio Tafferel. 100%. 100%. But yeah, great to, great to have Claudio Tafferel in, in you know, the, one of the least visible roles available. Still good to have him, Dave, in the Premier League. I feel like the Premier League has earned Claudio Tafferel, albeit 25 years too late. Obviously, it's the same nationality as, their, as, their, as Alisson, the number one keeper. Mm. It's a bit of a... If, if this has happened when they signed Alisson... We brought, you know, brought in a specialist Brazilian coach to kind of keep him, be friends with him, and kind <laughs> Maybe of. Maybe he's having you know, trouble with yeah, yeah, still, it's, it's a bit late for that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> who, quick, quick wh- sign a really rubbish Brazilian player just to move in with him. Which commentator is most likely to what a player he was about Claudio Tafarel? Because I feel that's quite niche. Um, it almost needs to be a goalkeeper. There aren't really many goal goalkeeping co-coms, are there? Really? No, it's quite rare. Rob Green. Rob Green would do it. Yeah. Yeah, he might, yeah. What goalkeeper yeah. he was, by the way. We, we can't talk about the happenings in football this week without mentioning England 20, 
Latvia mm. nil in World Cup qualifying. Now, I don't think I even need to put the research into this, Charlie, because it was broadcast on ITV4. So if that counts as terrestrial slash mainstream TV, do we think that this could be a record TV scoreline for a live game? In Must this be. country, yeah. Must be. I can't think of anything that comes close. There is, they can't, yeah, no way. Have England obviously got 10, ten yeah, but... No, I mean, yeah, and there's a whole... Yeah, there definitely has to be, because obviously the only sort of score lines that even remotely you can even think of from from the men's game, I don't know whether there's been any other similar score lines in the women's game, maybe there has, but, um, you know, is the of the famous Australia... Mm. I was going to say American yeah. Samoa, that's what yeah. I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. that was on, that wouldn't have well, been broadcast was out. here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> After Neighbours, go to Australia, America, <laughs> Samoa. <laughs> yeah, that's like the Everdale for Champions League equivalent, isn't it? Very good. Yeah, yeah I, would, I would take that. Um, but yeah, if, if anyone, in the very unlikely event that anyone has got an advance on 20 nil as the record score for mainstream TV live broadcast, let's I hear did, it, because history's it, been made. Looking at the uh, scores on the BBC yeah. app just, just looks so weird. Because they listen to assists as well. So it's yeah, like, yeah. wow, it's so long. <laughs> Um, I, for the first time in so long, because I, I, I was working at the time and then I went over, because it got to like 9.30, I was like, oh, I, I had no idea of what the Premier League scores were. And I went to BBC Sports, I was on my computer, which is quite an unusual way for me to find it when I go on Twitter or whatever. And I just saw the list of scores and it was 20-0. And I did have to be like, is that is that football? But then under it, it was 2-0. And I was like, that can't that can't be any other sport. It was. Mm. Um, We've had a few 10s in recent seasons at various levels. I feel like I'm now desensitised to a 10, Dave. 20, it's mm. all about 20s now. Although, yeah. 20 nil doesn't belong to me at any sort of top level of football. There are very specific places that 20 nil should happen, and that is the FA Cup in the late 1880s and German or Italian clubs playing their first game of pre-season against like a really, mm. really terrible regional side. Yeah. And I mean, that's it. it. It's a, it is a, an NFL or rugby score, isn't it? It's mm. just, yeah, it just doesn't, it doesn't scan visually just mm. to look at it. It doesn't look right. Uh, although I have to say I'm not moved morally enough, Charlie, to start to start talking about are these games really worthwhile? Yeah, yeah no. Who no, are they that... benefiting? But then someone saying, but for those players, for those Latvia players, but does it, do they even enjoy it? Mm. But I mean, the numbers are staggering because they, uh, England had eighty six percent possession. And 64 shots. Is that the Lioness's just, share of possession? They had 86. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. They, um, I mean, just the sheer time element to get 64 shots away, given that the ball's in play for about 64 minutes, isn't it? That's a shot a minute. Yeah. 121 That's... shots over the two games. What I was it's... thinking is it's the sort of game, like having been to a couple of England women's games, uh, you do notice that there are a lot of kids in the crowd often. Um, perfect game for a, a mum or dad to take their, their kid to. It's like maybe their first game, mm. if, the, if they live locally or whatever, <laughs> if they're getting into the game. And if that was your first game, you've, and you're, you're seeing a 20 nil for your first game, your expectations are just way out of line. I think my first game was a nil nil, and I'm quite proud of that because <laughs> it feels like there's quite a lot of kudos. But yeah. growing up and saying, yeah, my first game was 20 nil. <laughs> Yeah. England versus Latvia. Who was there? I, everyone will say they're there. Anyway, um, David, thank you so much for joining us on the Education Panel. Thank you. Charlie, same to you. Thank you. Have a lovely weekend, everyone. See you next time. Bye. The Athletic.